They've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome, welcome to Bible with the Barbers on this first Friday of the month of February, Friday, February 5th. So what does that mean, everybody? The first Friday is dedicated to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Exactly. And before the pandemic, we used to have adoration in our parishes to pray, especially for priests. So um, if you can find a parish, I know St. Joseph's in Pomona will have adoration all day. Yep. Uh, It's in Pomona on Holt. Um, And look, if there's any parish churches open that um, are available to go visit Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament today and... Spend time with him, but and, you can. And what's tomorrow? Tomorrow's first Saturday. There you go. They first follow Saturday. most yeah. of the time. Most, yeah. They don't <laughs> always, but yeah. First Saturday and first first Friday and first Saturday can go together, depending on how the month starts. So, we want to look today at the readings for the day. We want to talk about how do we image God, and in particular, I thought you know in this in these troubling times that we're in, so so oftentimes we get so focused on this world, and the 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 powers that be in this world that we forget that God's in charge. Mm-hmm. And and we're here, we were made in God's image to image God, to be a visible image and likeness of God here in this world. So we'll read Hebrews and we'll talk about Hebrews in light of that theme, how do we image God? And what does this letter, specific letter from the Hebrews, this part of it, this is chapter 13, verses one through eight, say to us about how to image God. Mm. And we'll do that in the first section here and then we'll move on to the gospel in the second section. And then we'll move on to other parts in the Bible where, we're talk, where it talks about how we're supposed to image God. So we have this, this reading from Hebrews. Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect hospitality. For through it, some have unknowingly entertained angels. Be mindful of prisoners as if sharing their imprisonment and of all the ill-treated as of yourself. For you also are in the body. Let marriage be honored among all, and the marriage bed be kept undefiled. For God will judge the immoral and adulterers. Let your life be free from love of money, but be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never forsake you or abandon you. Thus, we may say with confidence, the Lord is my helper and I will not be afraid. What can anyone do to me? Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You know, Mary, at the beginning of that reading, it got my attention when it says that do not neglect hospitality. Right. And it says, for though it, it some have unknowingly entertained angels. Now, we've heard angel stories most of our life. Yes. And I've heard of that happening. Yeah. Where you didn't realize, well, that man that you thought was a man most likely was an angel because he disappeared. There's no, right. re, you know, what happened? He was helping. And in the scriptures we have, in the book of Tobit, you have the angel Raphael comes to guide Tobias, uh, the son of Tobit, right. to, to help him um, not only find, his, the, the, to get to his, to his relative whom 
His father had deposited money with his relative, and now his father's in dire straits. He needs that money. Mm-hmm. And, and then um, to also help him to find his wife, Sarah, and, and to free her from a demon. And so Tobias doesn't know that Azariah, brother Azariah, which Azariah means God's help. So yeah, Raphael was sent to be God's help to Tob- Tobit and Tobias and Sarah and all of these people here. And, and so, yeah, they entertained angels. Abraham also entertained angels. He has the three men come to him at the Terebinth of Marmion. And, and they, um, two of them are angels. And one of them is, is the, the, the word of God is what's believed in the, in the, um, the commentary in the scriptures, because when they, they, they tell Abraham that he's going to have a child, but they also tell him that as they're going on, they're going to leave. And then um, the Lord is saying to himself, well, should I reveal to my servant Abraham what I plan to do? Mm-hmm. And so the two, two of them men, the parent men go on to Sodom and Gomorrah. And then the one stays with Abraham on the mountain and he tells him, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah because their wickedness is so great. I'm going to destroy them. And Abraham says, wait a minute, Lord, what if you can find 50 good people? And you remember this story? Oh, 50 yeah. good people. And so Abraham bargains with God for Sodom. And he finally gets down. Well, what if you only find 10? What if you only find? He said, for the, for the sake of the 10, I will spare it. Well, then God gets, you know, then the, the, the third person who, the, you know, was, was, was with Abraham, the third man, whom he thought was a man, goes down. And what happens is the... Um, the, it says in the scriptures, when when the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah takes place, first of all, the Lord doesn't find 10 good men. He only finds Lot and his wife and Lot's two daughters. And so um, he it says, the Lord rained down from the Lord in heaven. And so this is this is an indication of the Trinity in the Old Testament. It's not explicit, but it's an indication. And, and that the one who is acting here is one of the persons of the Trinity. And, of course, we understand that whenever the Trinity acts outside of itself, it's all three of them working together, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And there's only one God. There are three divine persons. When they act outside of themselves, it's, right. it's God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit acting. But um, except in the incarnation, where only the second person of the Blessed Trinity takes to himself a human nature. Nonetheless, the Father and the Spirit are there with the Son, keeping that union of of humanity, the human nature of Jesus Christ, united to the divinity of the second person of the Blessed Trinity. So the entire Trinity is there present, but it's only the second person of the Blessed Trinity who becomes man, who takes to himself a human nature. So yeah, there, there are definitely instances in the Old Testament where people have entertained angels without knowing it. Sure. But And the reality is, is Jesus said whatever in the New Testament, he tells us, whatever you do to the least of my brothers, you do to me. So this reading says, let brotherly love continue. Well, how do we image God? One of the first ways we image God is through loving our neighbor. Mm-hmm. Remember the letter of John tells us that don't tell me you love the God you do not see right. if you don't love the neighbor whom you see. You see, and Jesus says, whatever you do to the least of my brother, you do to me. So it's in loving our neighbor because God is love, John tells us in his letter. God is love. So in loving our neighbor, we are imaging God. And he goes on, do not neglect the hospitality, which we've talking about, talked about, and then be mindful of the prisoners as if sharing their imprisonment and of all the ill-treated as of yourself. 
So be mindful of those who suffer. We're not supposed to write people off and say, well, they deserve it. They, they, they got what's coming to them. No, be mindful. And of course, many people are unjustly imprisoned. That happens all the time. And we can never know the heart of the man. We don't know what his personal guilt is. Okay. So we want to serve one another. And, and just, just a story from Bishop Sheen, a true story about a, a missionary who was going up into Tibet and he had this Tibetan guide who was guiding him and there was a snowstorm and the Tibetan guide says, we have to stop here on the mountain in this cave because it's going to, you know, the wind is blowing and there's going to be a, a, a blizzard and, and they stop and the, the missionary hears someone moaning and he said, there's someone moaning down in the gully. And the guide says, look, you're half dead yourself. Mm-hmm. If you go out there, you're going to freeze to death. And, and the, the, the missionary said, I can't not help them. So he goes out and he finds the, the the guide stays in the cave. So that but the missionary goes out and he finds this man, and he drags him to an, to the nearest village. And um, gets help for the man who was moaning, and and then he goes back to where he left the guide. And when he gets back, the guide has frozen to death. Yep. But the missionary is still alive. Right. And Bishop Sheen had this saying. He would say he said, "I sought my God, but my God I could not see." Yeah. I sought myself, but myself eluded me. I sought my neighbor and I found all three. So we want to, you know, let brotherly love continue. This is how we image God. Let brotherly love continue. You you know, Mary, talking about Bishop Sheen, he makes a distinction in the quotable Sheen about liking and loving. Ah. He says, you may not like somebody, but you can still love because love is a duty. It is good for your soul and it also glorifies God. If you do an injury to someone you do not like, you will dislike him still more. Right. What? Great, brilliant. He says, if you do a favor to someone you do not like, you will love him more. Yeah. So this is why in our world right now, when you're talking about politics and all that, and it's there's so much hatred on the internet, love people with the truth, right. but with charity and clarity. Exactly. And the, right. The truth comes from God. God is truth. Right. And then this reading from Hebrews goes on to talk about, um, let the marriage be honored among all and the marriage bed be kept undefiled for God will judge the immoral and the adulterers. So how do we image God by being faithful to the vows that we made God himself made marriage in Genesis. And this was always the, 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 the Hebrew commentators and, and the Christian commentators that, that the fact that God made man and woman at the same time, that the indication that it is God himself who made marriage mm. and that this, this human family yeah. life is supposed to be an image of God here on earth, mm. a living image of the Trinity. Why? Because the father begets the son from all eternity and the father and the son love one another and their love spirates the Holy Spirit. Now that's not a sequential event. It's one eternal action because God is outside of time. And so God created the human family where you have a husband and a wife and they love each other and there's the possibility and they're always open to the possibility of God blessing their love with a child. So we image God by being faithful in our marriage, by being faithful to the vows that we took. And that clock is winding down. Is that right? That's right. It went by real fast, Mary. Oh, my. You're listening to The Bible with the Barbers. You know, if you like us on YouTube and ring that bell, you'll get an announcement every time we go on. There you go. And also, it helps promote 
our message at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. We'll be right back with more. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome back here to Bible with the Barbers on this Friday, first Friday of the month of February, February 5th. And we're reading from the readings for today. Our theme today is how do we image God? So in looking at the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, 1 through 8, which is the reading for Friday of the fourth week in Ordinary Time, and we've gotten about halfway through that reading so far. So we've talked about um, love, hospitality, being mindful of those who are suffering, especially prisoners and and those who are ill-treated, and then let the marriage bed be honored. No adultery, no fornication. God made marriage between one man and one woman for life, Um, And you you are to be faithful to your spouse. And those who are not married are not supposed to deliberately engage their sexual generative faculty because that faculty is for union and procreation within marriage. That's how God made it. I didn't make it. God did. (laughs) So we want to do what is God's will. So every day we pray for the grace to do that. So then it goes on. Let your life be free of love of money, but be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never forsake you or abandon you. Thus, we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper and I will not be afraid. So love of money. It's interesting. The Bible never says that money is the root of all evil. But Paul in one of his letters does say the desire for money is the root of all evil because we desire material things in the place of God. And then what happens is he says in one place, or maybe it's in Peter that it says, or maybe it might be James, you, you, you want, but you don't have, so you covet. And then, then that leads to stealing. Okay, so you, you're willing to take what isn't yours. So we want to let go of this love of money and material things. We want to renounce our love and desire for accumulating material things. We want to live with a sufficiency. Yes, we want a sufficiency of the things of this world that we need to support ourselves, but we don't want more than we need. And if we've been given more than we need, the the scripture teaches us that that's been given to us so that we can help the poor. We should always be willing to help the poor. And that was very clear in the early Christian communities. It was it was one of the, you know, the hallmarks. See these Christians how they love one another. Everybody, they took the excess of their goods and put it at the feet of the apostles to be distributed to the poor, to each according to his need. All right. So we don't love money. We, we use money to obtain the things that we need to support ourselves and to help the poor. All right. And then what can anyone do to me? Do we put our trust in God or are we afraid? And right now I, we live in a time where there's so much fear fear of of getting sick, fear of dying, fear of, well, wait a minute, what were we made for? We were not made for an eternal life in this world. We were made to live in this world in such a way that we live in union with God so that we can go and be with God for all eternity in heaven. So our final resting place is not here. We are not looking for an eternal happiness here on this earth. We are looking for union with God in heaven. And that has to begin right here and now on this earth by living according to the commandments, by living in union with God, according to his will, by living according to his word, by doing his will day by day. And the saints have written and said, God's will is manifest to us moment by moment 
in the duties of our state in life. So if we're married, our duty is toward our family. First, our husband, a, a, a wife toward her husband, a husband toward his wife, and the two of them toward their children. And the raising of their children up to be godly men and women, to serve the Lord and to serve their neighbor. As that story I told about Bishop Sheen and the, and the missionary and the Tibetan guide, the missionary who went out and helped his neighbor, even though he was half dead himself, it gave him life. Whereas the guide who stayed in the cave and said, no, I can't go out in the storm, the guide died. He froze to death. So we, we serve. And right now in the pandemic that we're in, the lockdown, and this was, uh, as a matter of fact, I, my younger brother, one of my, my youngest brother, he's, um, I only have one younger brother. I have three older brothers. But um, my youngest brother pointed this out. He said, you know, I've been telling people, what are we doing to image God during this time? Are we locking ourselves down in our homes? Are we isolating ourselves from everybody and everything? Are we just listening to the news and, and being fearful and not trusting God? Well, you know, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have perfect love and trust in one another. There's no, there's no animosity between them. There's no resentment. There's no bitterness. There's no, you know, bickering. It's not like, it's not like the pagan gods that, that, you know, that the pagans have created gods in their own image and likeness um, so that they could justify their immoral living. You know, the scriptures tell us that we're supposed to live a moral life an upright life, a life that where we keep the Ten Commandments and serve the Lord our God and serve our neighbor. So this is how we find God. And we want to focus on God and trust in him. Are the times scary? Sure, the times are scary. But you know, it's not the first time we've been through scary times. And we don't need to be afraid of death. And this is, it's from a movie. It's a line from a movie. Don't be afraid of dying. Be afraid of not living life to the full. And I think it's a very good instructive line. I think, I think we can say that's scriptural in a very real way. We're not supposed to be afraid of death. It, the, Hebrew, the letter to the Hebrews tells us that, that the children remain slaves through their fear of death. But that Jesus Christ has come to free us from sin and by, thereby to free us from our fear of death. Because what, what brought death into the world? Sin did. And only mortal sin can separate us from God for all eternity. So if we're living in mortal sin, we're separated from God in time. And if we don't repent of that before we die, we're separated from him from all eternity. Then we live in eternal death. We will we'll live for eternity, but it will be an eternal death of suffering and, and torture. So we want to live in the freedom of the children of God, the freedom that Jesus Christ won for us to live in the fullness of the love poured out for us in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so we want to live as God. We want to live in a loving relationship where we're pouring ourselves out. How does this work? The father begets the son from all eternity. The son and the father love one another. The son is the perfect image of the father. He's the one word. The son is the one word that the father spoke, which is the perfect image of himself. The son goes back to the father and the embrace of love between the father and the son spirates the spirit. This is not a sequential event. We're in time and we speak of things as in sequence. This is one eternal action. God is three and God is one, the greatest mystery of our faith. And in God, there are three persons, but there's one Godhead. So they equally share the Godhead that, you know, all of the attributes of God belong to all three persons. But the, fa- the Son and the Spirit each have a mission. The Son is sent into the world to be the Redeemer. The Spirit is sent into the world to be the sanctifier. 
so we are supposed to image this. We're supposed to show forth. And in the family in particularly, and this is why marriage must be honored, because the family, marriage and the family are supposed to be a living image of the Trinity in the world. It's not that, you know, the father in the family is an, is, uh, an image, is, is um, that, God is, that God the Father is made in the image of the father of the family or that God the Holy Spirit is made in the image of, you know, the mother in the family. No, it's that the father and the mother in the family are both made in God's image. And so is the child. All of us are made in God's image. And that's what we're talking about today. How do we live this out in our lives? By being faithful, by being loving, by overcoming our selfishness, by overcoming, you know, our, our um, not wanting to help others, not wanting to love others, not wanting to serve, not willing to, to help the prisoners or those who are hurting, not being willing to, to be faithful to marriage and not only marriage, to, to, to honor marriage as it should be honored, but also for young people who are not married to be chaste in, in terms of perfect continence, that we don't engage in sexual activity, deliberately engage in sexual activity outside of marriage because that's not in God's plan. And then we don't want to be loving money. We're not loving money in the things of this world. That's not what brings us salvation. It's not the government that's going to bring us salvation. It's not somebody's money. It's not some wealthy person. No, it's God himself. Jesus Christ frees us from sin and death. And so we want to live in the freedom that Jesus has won for us without fear, trusting perfectly in God and, and living as a, a full image of God in love of our neighbor. And then we remember something that the letter to the Hebrews here, Paul, and I believe Paul wrote it, you know, that, the, the scholars, we can all argue about that. But anyway, that's um, it's definitely the teachings of St. Paul, even if the Greek was more um, erudite than Paul was used to writing. Um, the, he, the letter would definitely be different because he's writing it to the Hebrews, not the pagans, which his other letters were written to pagans. But Christ is the same. Okay, consider the outcome. Okay, it says, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus Christ never changes. Why? Because Jesus Christ, the human nature of Jesus Christ was united to the Godhead. The second person of the Blessed Trinity became man and he never changes. He is God from all eternity. And so now for the rest of eternity, Jesus Christ is always the man God, even in his glory. He's still the victim who immolated himself. He's still the lamb who gave his life for his sheep. And so the word of God is spoken to us by our leaders Okay, the, the apostles, Peter and Paul and Andrew and James and John, and, and, and they gave their lives in witness to the gospel. How did their lives end? Remember how their lives end. What was the outcome? They died as martyrs, as martyrs for the faith, as witnesses. They gave their lives, they shed their blood, with the exception of John, who they tried to boil in oil. They did try to martyr him, and he didn't die, so they exiled him to the island of Patmos. But he had stood at the foot of the cross with the Blessed Mother, too. And that's a real martyrdom. He had died to himself because he went to Our Lady and he was able to stay with our Lord in his passion. So Jesus Christ is the same. He doesn't change and his teachings don't change. Okay, just because the world right now is saying that, well, you can decide whether you're male or female or we can decide who gets to get married or that the state can, can legalize abortion and therefore you just have to put up and shut up or the state can legalize um, can call marriage something that's not marriage at all. 
union between people of the same sex. That's not marriage. It's not marriage. There's no love, there's no union, and there's no procreation. Marriage is for union and procreation, male and female. That's the way God made it. It's not the way I made it. It's the way God made it. And it's supposed to be open to life. The married married love between a husband and wife is to be open to life. That doesn't mean God's going to bless everybody with 12 children or even one child. We don't know. That's up to God. That's a gift. Children are a gift from the Lord. They're not something we demand or get. So this reading from the Hebrews is really, really instructive as to how we are to image God. Okay. How we are to image God. And we need to trust him. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Psalm 27. Whom should I fear? The Lord is my life's refuge. Of whom should I be afraid? Though an army encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war be waged upon me, even then will I trust. For he will hide me in his abode in the day of trouble. He will conceal me in the shelter of his tent. He will set me high upon a rock. Your presence, O Lord, I seek. Hide not your face from me. Do not in anger repel your servant. You are my helper. Cast me not off. That's Psalm 27, the psalm for the day. So after the break, we're going to go on to the gospel of the day and again talk more about how are we to image God and give some some biblical exegesis here on what we are to do or not to Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Thank you. Thank you for joining us here on Bible with the Barbers on this first Friday of the month of February. Tomorrow is first Saturday. Um, we honor the Sacred Heart of Jesus in a special way on the first Friday of the month. So if you, you know, the St. Joseph's Parish in Pomona will have Adoration of the Blessed Sacrament all day. It's on Holt Avenue. Um, and find a local parish where you can maybe go and visit Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament today. So we're going to look now at today's gospel. We're talking today about how are we imaging God. We need to examine our lives and ask, are we living up? We're, we're made in God's image as persons, human persons. We're, we're made in the image of God. We have, you know, man is the only creature that God created for his own sake, the only visible creature, excuse me, that God created for his own sake. And we're the only visible creature who has the possibility of loving of reflecting on why we exist and and considering. So we want to look at today's gospel and look in there and how what are ways sometimes that people image God or don't image God. And what is today's gospel? Well, it's Mark 6, 14 through 29. King Herod, it's yeah, from the Gospel of Mark. King Herod heard about Jesus. For his fame became widespread, and the people were saying, John the Baptist has been raised from the dead. That is why such mighty powers are at work in him. Others were saying he is Elijah. Still others, he is a prophet like any of the prophets. But when Herod learned of it, he said, It is John whom I am beheaded. He has been raised from the dead. Herod was the one who had John arrested and bound in prison on account of Herodias, the wife of his brother Philip, whom he had married. John had said to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Herodias harbored a grudge against him and wanted to kill him, but was unable to do so. Herod feared John, knowing him to be a righteous and holy man, and kept him in custody. When he heard him speak, he was very much perplexed, 
yet he liked to listen to him. Herodias had an opportunity one day when Herod, on his birthday, gave a banquet for his courtiers, his military office, and the leading men of Galilee. His own daughter came in and performed a dance that delighted Herod and his guests. The king said to the girl, Ask of me whatever you wish, and I will grant it to you. He even swore many things to her. I will grant you whatever you ask of me, even to half of my kingdom. She went out and said to her mother, What shall I ask? Her mother replied, The head of John the Baptist. The girl hurried back to the king's presence and made her request. I want you to give me at once, on a platter, the head of John the Baptist. The king was deeply distressed. But because of his oaths, the guests, and the guests, he did not wish to break his word to her. So he promptly dispatched an executioner with orders to bring back the head of John the Baptist. He went off and beheaded him in prison. He brought the head on a platter and gave it to the girl. And the girl in turn gave it to her mother. When his disciples heard about it, they came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. The gospel of the Lord. Now John the Baptist had been faithful. He is a, a, an image of what we are supposed to do. He told Herod to his face, you don't have the right to live with your brother's wife. This is adultery. It's against the law of God. Well, it's interesting because Herodotus is Herodotus. The wife is the one who harbored the grudge against John. Well, why was that? Well, you see, Herod had been given more territory. Philip was his brother and he had another one. And what had happened is that um, Caesar had divided Herod the Great's prop kingdom, or it was a, Herod the Great was a tetrarch. He wasn't strictly speaking a king, but he was a, a puppet, you know, ruler over the the Jews, and he had divide. He had three sons, so um, the Caesar had divided the property between the three sons, um, Archelaus and and um, and Philip and Herod. Well, Herod had the most territory. He was like. So he was like the top dog. And Herodotus was an ambitious woman. And she wanted to be with the top dog. So she got herself, you know, she got Herod interested in her. And, and then he took her for his wife. Well, this was against the Jewish law. And so John the Baptist, it's against God's law. God is the one who made marriage, as we talked about in Hebrews. That ties in there, doesn't it? Herod didn't, he did not honor the marriage bed. So is he imaging God? No, he's not. Is Herodotus imaging God? Well, what is Herodotus doing? She's harboring a, a, a grudge against John. Why? Well, because John's preaching might interfere with her ambitions, her worldly ambitions. Okay, she wanted to kill John. She's harboring a grudge and she's nursing that grudge. All of us can examine ourselves. Are we harboring a grudge against someone? Are we nursing that grudge? Like the story, Terry, uh, the the, the quote from Bishop Sheen that Terry read, you know, we don't have to like someone, we can still love them. And if there's someone we don't like and we hurt them, we're going to like them even less. But if we love someone and we do good for that person, we will love them more. Love is to desire the good of the beloved and the greatest good is their salvation. So when we find ourselves not liking, and by the way, liking, that's a human emotion. And, and you know, you may not be able to 
to, to help the way you feel, but we can help the way we react to our feelings. So I may find something very repulsive. For instance, I'm, if I were terrified of snakes or if I were terrified of mice, and every time I saw a mouse, I screamed, and every time I saw a snake, I screamed. I may not be able to help the feeling, but with, with discipline and with training, I can control my reaction to that situation by constantly reminding myself that that mouse is not going to hurt me, but that, that snake, if it's con- contained in a, in a container, it's not going to hurt me. It can't, it can't hurt me. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't be afraid of snakes. There are certain snakes that are very dangerous to you. But the point here being that I may not be able to help my feelings but I can control my reaction to them. So for instance, I don't like somebody and I might not be able to, you know, help that feeling. There may be something about that person that just, you know, they they call personality conflicts. You know, there are certain people that it's just like, you know, everything they do just kind of rubs me the wrong way and it hurts. But you know, I can begin to love that person and in loving them, I will find that the dislike for them gets weaker and weaker and weaker. I can help the way I react to them. Therese of Lezou, in the convent, there was a sister who was always banging her rosary beads. She was always rattling her rosary beads, and it it disturbed Therese and her prayer, you know, this constant rattling of the beads. And she was finding herself getting irritated at this sister, and, and then after a while she was like, wait a minute. That could be the background music for my prayer. So she started offering that. And there was one sister who was particularly, um, that she didn't particularly like. So she went out of her way to show extra kindness toward that sister. And toward her death, that sister said, that sister thought she was Trez Lezu's favorite sister in the convent because Trez treated her so kindly. So yeah, we can't necessarily help the way we feel, but we can help the way we react. Herodotus hated John. And she harbored a grudge. She didn't have to harbor that grudge, but she wanted to because she had worldly ambitions that John was endangering by telling Herod, you can't live with this woman. She's your brother's wife. It's wrong for you to live with her. And the deal is, is that Herod found John perplexing, but he liked to listen to him. So as long as John was alive, there was always that danger that Herod might be swayed to send Herodotus away and send her back to Philip. So Herodotus harbors this grudge. And what happens? Well, she's looking for an opportunity. And one day Herod gives himself a birthday banquet. He invites all these people. And his daughter, Herodotus's daughter, comes in and she performs a dance, we're told in one of the Gospels, a dance that delights Herod and his guests. Well, this was a very seductive dance, a dance that is not in accord with God's will. It wasn't the kind of dance that was uh, meant to uplift man. It was meant to degrade man by, you would say it's pornographic, by arousing his erotic instinct. And so Herod is so delighted by the way it makes him feel that he is no longer reasoning. He's, he reacts to his feeling and in his reaction, He makes a promise that he will give her anything up to half of his kingdom. So what's she going to ask for? Well, I mean, you know, she's, she's got her mother to consult. So she runs out, mom, what am I supposed to ask for? Simple. Go back and ask him for the head of John the Baptist on a platter. Oh, 
Now, Herod is deeply distressed. But again, how is Herod acting? Well, I'm afraid of what other people are going to think of me. I've promised this girl under oath that I'd give her up to half of my kingdom. My gosh, I can't say no. I, I would look bad in front of everybody. Well, as a Christian, we would say, well, wait a minute, Herod. Number one, John's not part of your kingdom. He's a human being made in God's image. And the price for him is paid by God, not you. So um, he's not yours to give. But being king or being tetrarch, he was a tetrarch. Um, he considered that he had the authority over everybody in his king, in his tetrarchy, that he had the say that he had. And so in his mind, if he didn't do this, if he broke his oath, everybody would look down upon him. So despite the fact that he didn't want to, he goes ahead and does something that is painful for him in order to save face in, other front, of, in front of other people. You know, there's a saying, and I believe it's in William Shakespeare, to thine own self be true, and as sure as the night follows the day, to none other can thou be false. You see, if we're true to ourselves, we're not going to lie to other people in any manner, shape, or form. And we're not going to put on a pretense before them. If we're true to ourself, Herod wasn't true to himself. He liked to listen to John, even though it perplexed him. And he was deeply troubled when the girl made this request. But rather than being true to himself, he gave in to what's called human respect. He was afraid of what other people would think of him. And he ordered the execution of John the Baptist. And there's the music again. If you like this, please click on like, share it, tell your family and neighbors about it. Every Friday on Virgin Most Powerful Radio, we do a Bible study free of charge. If you're able to support us, call 877-526-2151. Thank you for your prayers, your sufferings, and the offerings you make on our behalf. Now back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, Call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome back to Bible with the Barbers on this first Friday of the month of February, February 5th. Thank you for joining us. If you like our show, please click on like, share it, subscribe to Virgin Most Powerful Radio, and tell your family and friends and everyone you know about it. We have the Bible study this this every Friday. So anybody who wants to know about a Bible study, you know, Tell them about the app. Tell them about our website, virginmostpowerfulradio.org. Um, we also have a Tuesday night Bible study for anyone's local here in Southern California at the historic Sacred Heart Chapel at 381 West Center Street here in Covina. Um, occasionally, we do have a funeral on a Tuesday night or, for instance, during Lent, um, one of the parishes here, the Melkite Parish, will be having uh, services on Tuesday nights. So during Lent, we will be having our Bible study, or if there's a funeral, we'll have our Bible study upstairs in the offices. But you're welcome to join us. We try and go from seven to nine. And we're actually um, going through the catechism of the Catholic Church at this time because the church is the authentic interpreter of scripture. And the catechism is a very good commentary on the scripture. As a matter of fact, Father Glenn Botton, who is the um, priest who is of the ordinariate in union, personal ordinariate in union with the chair of St. Peter, our, the pastor here for Our Lady of Grace Parish at Sacred Heart Chapel, he talked about how as a Protestant pastor, he used the Catechism of the Catholic Church for his sermons, to prepare his sermons, because it's very scriptural. 
So um, we're looking here at today's reading. We did the, the reading from Hebrews, the first reading, and then we're looking at Mark 6, verses 14 through 29, and it's the story of the beheading of John the Baptist. And, you know, what are the ways we image God? Do we image God by harboring grudges, by living in adultery, by living in fornication? Do we image God by ignoring his law, by making um, God in our own image? Um, Or do we image God through our love of neighbor, through service of one another, and through keeping his commandments? And so John the Baptist has imaged God. He was sent to be the one who would prepare the way for the Messiah. He prepared the way for the Messiah for for. And, and he preached the truth. He preached repentance. We have to give up our sins. The, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. But repentance is an absolute essential part. So in God, there is no sin. So when we sin, we are not imaging God, even if it's only a venial sin. You know, there's no number of venial sins can ever equal a mortal sin. Only mortal sin can totally separate us from God. Repentance brings us back. But venial sin darkens our intellect and weakens our will, which makes it easier for us to commit mortal sin. So we want to get rid of all sin in our life. There's no sin in God. So if we're going to image God, we need to be like him, sinless. We can't do that on our own. God gives us the grace, just as he gave John the Baptist the grace to be martyred. John told Herod, you cannot live with your brother Philip's wife. He understood that he was endangering his life by doing that, but he told him anyway. And right now during this pandemic, you know, people are saying, well, we can't, we can't look, we can't visit the sick and we can't help each other out. And well, wait a minute, we're Christians. Are we afraid to go out and serve our neighbor? Are we afraid to go out and, and um, help those in need? That's a problem. You know, my, my younger brother mentioned to me, he's telling people, how are we being creative in this time? Sitting around watching TV and, and, and watching the news, especially the mainstream media, which isn't telling us the truth. They're not telling us news. They're lying about a lot of things. And just if we just sit around all day and, oh, everything is so horrible. Everything is so awful. Oh, everybody's going to hell. Everybody's going to die. Oh, well, you know what, honey? <laughs> we are all going to die. Believe it or not, you're right on that one. All of us are going to die, whether we get COVID or not. All of us are going to die eventually at some point. There is, a, there is an expiration date on our life. Not a problem because Jesus Christ came to free us from sin and death. Not from the death of our body here on this earth, the separation of our body and soul and death, but from eternal death, the death of sin that can put us in hell for all eternity and separate us from God for all eternity. God made us to be in union with himself. That's what he made us for. He made us in his image so that we could be in union with him for all eternity. And he desires this for us. So we want to be like John the Baptist. We want to be brave and courageous and witness to Christ, even if it means that we're going to suffer and be persecuted, even if it means we might lose some of our earthly goods, even if it means we'll be sick and die. You know, there were saints who died from the plague because they went out and served the poor and served the sick. And there were saints who went out and served the sick and the poor during the plague who didn't die from the plague. We're all going to die, you know, one way or the other. So we're made in God's image as persons to be loved. 
of all visible creatures, only man is able to know and love his creator. He is the only creature on earth that God has willed for its own sake. And he alone is called to share by knowledge and love in God's own life. It was for this end that he was created. And this is the fundamental reason for his dignity. This is where our dignity comes from, that we were made in the image and likeness of God, that we can know God and in knowing him, we can love him. And that only is possible because God loved us first. It, you know, the, the letter, John's letter says, in what does love consist? Not that we love God, but that God loved us and gave himself for us. So this is the love. God's love is poured out for us in our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we're supposed to image God. Being in the image of God, the human individual possesses the dignity of a person who is not just something, but someone. We are persons. He is capable of self-knowledge, of self-possession, and of freely giving himself and entering into communion with other persons. And he is called by grace to a covenant with his creator to offer him a response of faith and love that no other creature can give in his stead. Only I can decide that I give myself to God. And, and then we're supposed to enter into this covenant. What is a covenant? A sacred family bond. God is our father. And he wants us to know that he loves us and he desires to pour his love into us. It is his very love that created us and continues to keep us in his, his image and, and keep us alive. And it's only his grace that can keep us from sin and free us from sin when we had the misfortune of sinning. St. Catherine of Siena wrote, What made you establish man in so great a dignity? Certainly the incalculable love by which you have looked on your creature in yourself. You are taken with love for her. And by love indeed you created her. By love, you have given her a being capable of tasting your eternal good. Why does she use the feminine pronoun there? Because femininity is receptive. Every human soul receives its existence from God. Whether, whether that soul is infused into a male body or a female body, it, it receives from God. And therefore, that the, this essence of femininity, part of the essence of femininity is that, that rece- receptivity. So in a certain sense, every human soul is female before God. So we receive our life from God. We receive everything from God because God has decided to share his love. He wanted, love is diffusive. It wants to give itself away. So God wanted to make a creature that he could share his love with. So he created the angels and then he created man, male and female in his own image. Both male and female are in the image and likeness of God. God isn't male and female. God is God. He is pure spirit. And only the second person of the blessed Trinity took to himself a human nature and he took to himself a male nature. We don't determine our femininity or masculinity. We were born either man or woman. That's it. God made us either man or woman, and he didn't make a confusion. Sin makes confusion. 
So we want to repent of our sins, turn back to God. We want to beg God that each day of our life, we will be a living image of himself, that we will become a radiance of his love in this world. And, you know, right now during this pandemic, we're not going to do that by locking ourselves down. We need to start praying for one another and looking for people around us that need help, that need to be served. Begin in our families. Take proper precautions. Sure, wash your hands. Make sure you're eating right. Take your vitamins. You know, wear a mask if you have some precondition that would dispose you to to having COVID be a more dangerous disease for you. COVID is 99.5% survivable, okay? Only, Only about half a percent of the people who get it die from it. And, and most of those who die have some precondition that makes them more susceptible. But even those who have preconditions, there was a doctor in Galveston, Texas, who had 58 patients in a rest home who got COVID. And he only lost one of them because he didn't wait till they got deathly ill. As soon as they showed symptoms of having a flu, he immediately treated them. He treated them immediately. And they, they all got better except for one. He also had 23 healthcare workers that got sick and he immediately treated them and they all got better, okay? So, you know, we don't have to make this a killer disease. Treat people immediately. In Taiwan and Japan, both countries had under, you know, under 100 deaths because when someone got sick with flu-like symptoms, they immediately treated them. They didn't wait for two weeks until it turned into pneumonia and the people are dying from suffocation. Okay, they treat it immediately. And the same for us. When somebody gets sick, take care of them. Take care of them, serve them, you know, make them hot chicken soup, give them their vitamins, make sure they're getting the right vitamins, making sure they're getting plenty of fluids to drink, make sure they're getting plenty of rest, you know, that they're not unnecessarily going out and and exerting themselves when they need to be resting. But we shouldn't be afraid and we shouldn't be afraid of dying. We need to ask the Lord to give us the grace to overcome this fear of death, which, by the way, according to Paul in the letter to the Hebrews, it was through the fear of death that the children remained slaves their whole life long. So let us give up our fear of death. Let us live as the images of God, which we were made to be. Let us image God in all that we do, and especially in our love for one another. Let us love one another, for God is love. And we were made in God's image and we are supposed to love. And God is creative. So let us be creative and go out and serve our neighbor and bring life to those who are frightened. Bring hope and joy to those around us. Thank you so much for joining us on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. If you can make a financial donation, 877-526-2151. But also please pray for us. Remember us in your sufferings and your sacrifices. Thank you for joining us. Share this program with others, like it, and invite others to join us on Bible with the Barbers every Friday at noon on Virgin Most Powerful Radio or on the podcast, which is available to you at any time. Thank you, and hopefully we will see you again next week on Bible with the Barbers.